Welcome everyone to the fantasy and betting podcast presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. For everyone listening live on Twitter and YouTube, thank you. And if you're not, uh, or if you just hate listening live, but you're doing it anyway, well, good news. This podcast will be in the 33rd team podcast feed on Apple and Spotify shortly after we finish recording. Let's dive into our first week seven game, Ryan. The Buccaneers will be hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Right now, the Buccaneers are two and a half point favorites at home. Game total opened at 40. I think uh, everyone out there looked and saw Desmond Ritter and Baker Mayfield and said that is too high. It has dropped to 37. That is kind of a theme for this week. Game totals dropping. When we look at the Atlanta side, I think this is a there's potential for a pretty massive Bijan Robinson game. The Buccaneers gave up 130 rushing yards, eight yards per carry to DeAndre Swift in week three. The Buccaneers gave up 13 receptions to Alvin Kamara in week four. We've seen them get beaten badly in both phases. Bijan Robinson on the season is averaging five yards a carry to Tyler Algiers three. Massive difference there. And sneakily, Bijan Robinson's four and a half catches a game are tied for the team lead with Drake London. Ryan, we've got two straight 300-yard games from Desmond Ritter. This kind of feels like the week he comes back down to earth against a solid Buccaneers defense. How are you viewing what the Falcons game plan should be here? Well, right now opponents are loading the box in Atlanta. They're making Desmond Ritter throw where that might be the only team that opponents are using that strategy against in the whole league. And, you know, like you said, 300 yards the last two games. He threw three picks last week, though. So, again, we can't rely on him. Volatile offense, unreliable passing attack. Uphill battle here for the Falcons offense. And then... Uh, when we look at when the Buccaneers are on offense, we can see that the Falcons are allowing the fewest receiving yards per game to running backs in the league. That's probably not very good news for receiving back Rashad White. And the Falcons are giving up under seven fantasy points a game to outside wide receivers. This feels like a good week to look at other options for Mike Evans and fantasy, but they do give up 18 fantasy points a game to the slot. A lot of, uh, Fantasy picks apps, a lot of general uh, betting platforms will do head-to-head sometimes. And I think if you can get a head-to-head with Godwin and Evans at uh, very, very similar receiving yards, I think I would consider something like that in Evans' favor. Or, sorry, in oof, in Godwin's favor because he's going to be in the slot while his, Evans is outside. Any other notes here on the when Baker Mayfield and company are going up against a much-improved Falcons defense? Yeah, the, the Buccaneers' defense was good enough to win against Detroit last week, but Baker Mayfield missed a few big throws. I think that's kind of the norm. That's what we should expect here in general. Uh, Tampa's had no running game all season. Offensive lines filled with liabilities outside of Werfs. This is essentially the battle of two underwhelming offenses with solid defenses. This is a game where you bet the over or the under, rather, which was 40 earlier this week. Now it's 37 already. So you do that or pass, and you should probably pass since it's moved so much already. Guys, that is Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Today is Thursday. He just dropped his expert picks and predictions for every game. He does that every single week. It is free to read on the 33rdteam.com. It's about as good of a version of that type of article as you can imagine. Ryan knows ball. He's been watching every snap of every game since 2014. Let's turn to the Ravens hosting the Detroit Lions. This opened Ravens minus two and a half. It's now moved. Ravens are a full field goal favorites at home against a pretty solid Lions team. Game total opened at 44 and a half. It has since dropped slightly to 43. Now, if you like the Lions, I don't know who wouldn't like the Lions in some capacity, given that they're five and one on the season. Given that they're allowing the seventh fewest yards per pass attempt on defense, the third fewest yards per carry allowed on defense. Jameson Williams started to look like the JMO we were hoping for last week. He had a massive touchdown catch. Maybe not the most fantasy relevant player, but the field stretching adds this new dynamic element to the offense. When we look as well, when the Lions are on offense, Baltimore has a litany of injuries on defense. All of this is stacking up for you to go to mybookie.com, promo code 3013, deposit some money, get a little. De- little deposit match. And if you want to take the Lions money line, it's plus 135 on my bookie. That is the best line that you will find on any sports book right now. Mybookie.com, promo code 33rd team. If you like the Lions in this game, plus 135 if you think they are going to be six and one 
after week seven. Now, looking at uh, the Lions, Sam Laporta did practice as of yesterday. He practiced again today with the calf injury. Seems like he'll suit up. Whereas David Montgomery has the rib injury. It does not look like he'll play. And then third string running back Craig Reynolds picked up a hamstring injury. I don't think he's playing either. He hasn't practiced yet. But this all sets up for Jameer Gibbs, who did practice as of Wednesday this week in a limited capacity. Looks like he's over the hamstring injury. I think he's going to handle most of the workload. Week three, when David Montgomery was out, he had 17 carries for 80 yards. He had all three red zone carries. He had the only goal line carry. He had the only two running back targets in that game as well. The fantasy points weren't quite there. He didn't get in the box, but the the usage was incredible. In that game, no other running back on the team had more than four carries to his 17. Baltimore's given up the fourth highest yards per reception to running backs this year. That's been where Gibbs has struggled, getting targeted on 30% of his routes. That's elite, but 1.2 yards per route run is very, very, very below average. I think the routes run with the targets should remain pretty similar which is good. And I think the efficiency in the receiving yards department could spike this week. Jameer Gibbs is my current RB 13 for fantasy. Part of that is the potential workhorse role. Part of it is that this position at running back is so bleak with six teams on by for week seven. Ryan, what else are you looking for when the lions are on offense here? So here's the thing with the Lions. They're a tough, complete team, but I think people are starting to fly a little too high on them. You know, they beat Kansas City without Kelsey and Chris Jones. They scored 14 points of offense in that contest. They've beaten Atlanta, Green Bay, the Panthers, and the Bucks. So while you said, I, I think the Lions being a full three-point underdog is a surprise here, and it, it's even moved away from it. It opened at minus two and a half Ravens. So I think that's a surprise. I get why everyone likes it. But from a sports better perspective, that's like a red alert to me. Like, why is this the way that it is, especially mm-hmm. with Baltimore coming back from London this week? So that, I think that's the primary re- reason why is Detroit has been beaten up, you know, average or worse teams all year for the most part. On the other side, I talked about the Detroit defense before. I think there is one player that may be able to survive the Detroit defense, and that looks like Zay Flowers. I think Zay Flowers is set for a big game very, very soon. The first three weeks of the season, he had a 30% target share. We love that. But his average target depth was five yards. That is uh, lower than almost every single tight end in the NFL. That's not what we like. But the past three weeks, target share remains very, very high. It's not quite at 30. It's at 27%. That's about one fewer target. That doesn't really matter. High twenties, but average depth of target went from five to 11 and a half. Fantasy points has actually been lower these past three weeks compared to the first three weeks. I think he's a great buy and redraft where he's actually getting more of a legitimate wide receiver role rather than this like Wandale Robinson type manufactured touch role. The target shares remained high. Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr. do not look like major parts of the pass attack. So Zay Flowers, someone that I would pretty confidently start, even in what looks on paper like a relatively difficult matchup against the Lions. You've been hard on Lamar Jackson and company all year. I think rightfully so. We haven't quite seen past game ceiling. Is this the game that it opens up against a tough opponent when it's a, it's a pretty must-win game for them? I mean, this is what I'll say about Baltimore. Defense has been good. That's been the standard for a very long time. That's not a surprise at all. But like you just alluded to, it's still very early. So, you know, I'm not in panic mode or anything here. But so far, Todd Munkin's past centric offense has been more hyped than substance to this point. Right now, the only thing that's special about Baltimore's offense is Lamar Jackson's dynamic, even historic athleticism. That's been the case for years now. I wouldn't bet on this being the week they suddenly, you know, have a ceiling game. But I would think that one's coming at some point. Although to the, would you say that it's been a little disappointing in Baltimore offensively so far? Yeah, I'd say so. I think anyone that has been a Mark Andrews enthusiast, Lamar Jackson enthusiast, simply a pass rate over expectation enthusiast has been a little bit let down. Also, if your curiosity's peaked because I'm talking about Zay Flowers, and you want to see where I have him ranked in fantasy, go to the33rdteam.com. My fantasy rankings are free on the site. There's projections embedded in there from our data scientist, Ben Wolby. My expected fantasy points models in there, as much context as you could possibly want. You get the top 12 fantasy defenses from Ryan. And as I mentioned before, he watches every snap of every game. And not only do you get to see my fantasy rankings, but you can see Matthew Hill and Kev Wheeler's ranks as well. Two of the better rankers in the game. You get 
the three of us, you can see our individual ranks and we have everything sorted based on the average ranking that we give each player. And we update those every single day of the week. Let's turn to Giants hosting the Commanders. Apologies that we have to talk about your New York Giants like we do every week. Giants opened as two-point underdogs, and the better said, eh, we don't like that. They are now two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Theme of the week, the game total's dropping. It opened at 40-and-a-half. It has it's down to 37-and-a-half. Daniel Jones was limited in practice this week. Uh, he might return. We'll see. I don't, I don't think that's... Uh, necessarily a boost for the offense. I don't think that hurts the offense. I think what we saw from Tyrod was pretty similar. One good note, though, is that whoever starts under center for the Giants, the past five weeks, the commanders are allowing over 25 fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. That is by far the most in the NFL by nearly three fantasy points a game. So I think if you're desperate for a streamer, you, you lost some quarterbacks on by. I know you and I have a league with our waivers guru, Nick Botiford. We had Joe Burrow and CJ Stroud on the team. Uh, turns out they both are on bye this week. Uh, at one point, we were like, huh, there's a chance we miss out on a couple guys on waivers and Tyrod or Daniel Jones is suddenly in the lineup. In terms of Giants players to get a little excited about, Wandale Robinson I have as a wide receiver three type in fantasy this week. Mostly that there's six teams on bye and that if you're in a PPR league, I think he gets you five catches. I, I think the floor is eight, nine fantasy points. Ceilings 15, 16. Not that exciting, but given by Mageddon, uh, you you could do much worse than Wandale Robinson. Anything else you're looking for from the Giants? And uh, if you knew Daniel Jones was at 90% strength, would you rather him or Tyrod in at quarterback this week? Uh, that's a good question, actually. You know, first thing I'm going to say, Josh, is <laughs> we're one more disgusting outing for me showing up with a paper bag in my head when we talk about the Giants. Second is, I've, I've said this a few times over the last two weeks, Tyrod Taylor is a more decisive passer than Daniel Jones. I actually think that's important when the offensive line's in the state that it is. So I would rather have 90% of Daniel Jones just because at least he has some semblance of a future potentially. But if the Giants are down three or four starting offensive linemen again, it might be they might be better off if Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback, which I'm saying in a whisper because I don't even really want to say that out loud. And, you know, here's the thing too. Washington's the best part of the Washington football team is their front four, their pass rush. So if the Giants are down multiple starters again, that's a problem. I think the Giants can win this game, but ultimately it boils down to who's available and who's in. On the other side, when we look at the commanders, I'm curious to see if Terry McLaurin continues his momentum from week six. He commanded over 50% of the team's targets. He had previously commanded only 17% through five weeks, which was very disappointing. I mentioned on our Monday show, Anyone that's out there listening to this, make sure you check us out on Mondays as well where we recap all the game action. You should be dropping Jahan Dotson. Target share below 15% in four of six games. Nine or fewer PPR points in five of six games. Has yet to even crack 13 fantasy points. Has yet to crack 75 air yards. He is not getting targets. He is not getting targeted down the field. The fantasy points have not been there. And if you want to look at it from a, well, what's the pecking order? Uh, apparently McLaurin's won now. Yes, McLaurin's won. Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson are actually tied. They're all averaging 5.2 targets per game. Again, Jahan Dotson averaging as many targets per game as Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel with Sam Howell at quarterback. This is someone that I think we can feel comfortable dropping. I know you took him in the sixth or seventh round of fantasy drafts, and I think it's time you cut bait. What else do you have to say about the commanders? I am not mentioning that Sam Howell's pacing to lead the NFL in sacks set the record. He's currently on pace to break it by 20. I'm not going to mention that because I mention that every week. Anything positive to say about them against the Giants defense that's actually shown a little something these last two weeks? Yeah, they had a good bounce back game against Atlanta last week. Um, <clears throat> the Giants do have a trench advantage, at least to an extent, against Washington's you know, Swiss cheese offensive line at this point. Expect the commanders to lean on their running game early if they can, or at least for as long as they can. And here, here's the interesting thing I'll, say, thing I'll say about the commanders. Sam Howell has a Case Keenum ceiling in him. You know, when, when the Vikings went nuts with Case Keenum under center, that's he kind of reminds me of the good version of Case Keenum. So I wouldn't want him as my every year starting quarterback, but he he's actually a little better than I thought he was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a little better than I thought too. I have rest of season fantasy rankings and a trade value chart on the 33rd team.com. I moved Sam Howell up this week. I couldn't ignore the fantasy points. I know Ryan has been 
a little more optimistic as well about what he's seeing on film. And I think it's time. Uh, supporting cast is not half bad. Sam Howell, you're taking a lot of sacks, but each game that you're that you remain healthy, you're you're putting up some fantasy points, and we like to see that. The trade value chart now is a downloadable, gorgeous, color-coded PDF. It's free. I don't think there's anything else like it on the market. I certainly haven't seen it. I'd recommend you check it out. Again, it's free on the33rdteam.com. Let's turn to a game that I'm actually getting excited about. We, we've gone through some clunkers. I am kind of excited for the Colts to host the Browns. Colts opened up. Uh, we'll, I'll get to why. I, Ryan's giving me a look. <laughs> so the Colts opened as two-point underdogs. It's moved to Colts three-point underdogs. The game total, though, did go up a little bit from 39.5 to 40. And I think it's because Deshaun Watson returned to practice. He hasn't been very good this year, but he's better than P.J. Walker. He's better than Dorian Thompson Robinson. That is ultimately a good thing. Amari Cooper, when interviewed today, had a smile on his face saying, we definitely feel more confident when Watson is under center. I, I think that's obvious, but it's worth repeating that he did return to practice. The, the Browns running back room is actually kind of a mess right now. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt were in this 1A, 1B committee last week. Before their buy, Jerome Ford was the clear workhorse in this backfield. They have the week five buy. Week six, it's a borderline 50-50 committee. I'm curious what happens this week. If both play, I think they're just fantasy RB3s. I wouldn't really start either of them. But Kareem Hunt hasn't practiced this week. He has a thigh injury. Should Hunt miss this game, Jerome Ford leaps all the way up like, I don't know, like RB16, RB17, because it's a bad week and because he'd get a lot of the touches. So that's something to monitor. I'll certainly be checking that out and keeping my fantasy rankings up to date. Ryan, anything to add here on the, the Browns where Colts secondary is pretty bad? Do you think Watson can get it done? Should he return? Yeah, I mean, this is how I'll frame it, Josh. We say this all the time. If Deshaun Watson can return to form at all, this, this team's a, a literal title contender. Do I want to bet on that this week? No, I find it a little ironic that of all the games on this slate that the totals moved down early in the week. This is one of the two or three where it moved up. So I get that Watson brings some more to the table, but on the bright side, they probably don't need a lot on offense to win this game. I'd agree there. When we look at the other side, Anthony Richardson officially out for the season, undergoing shulder surgery. I wrote up a piece. It's free on the 33rdteam.com. Basically, outlining what we should expect from not just Minshew, but how it affects the running backs and the receivers in this offense. Spoiler, I actually think that it helps for fantasy, the running backs and receivers in this offense. And I outline why in that article. But for this week, I am gravely concerned that this Browns defense shuts the Colts down. We just saw them shut down the 49ers. The, the Colts look nothing like the 49ers. I, I would start Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. There's six teams on by. You probably have to. I think Josh Downs in PPR could be started this week. Depth of targets low. Cleveland's been pressuring quarterbacks at 43% of dropbacks. That's the highest rate in the NFL this year. But still, I think with Josh Downs, you're probably looking at four or five catches, 20, 30 yards. That's not very exciting. Jonathan Taylor finally started to wrestle work away from Zach Moss last week. So I think we can start him now simply because it's Jonathan Taylor. But I think the, the floors and ceilings for any Colts player are going to be terrifyingly low in this one. Minshew dropped back, I believe, 55 times last week. He's probably not going to do that again against the Browns or else uh, they might have to go to their third-string quarterback <laughs> given how many hits he would take. What kind of game plan do you even do if you're the, the Colts here? Yeah, I mean, they have one path to really like staying competitive here, and that's to keep the game close enough where they can lean on their run game in a big, big way because if they have to play from behind against this Browns defense that shut down Joe Burrow, gave gave Brock Purdy's 49ers all sorts of problems, th this game could be get ugly quick in that scenario. Guys, Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His power rankings hit the site on Tuesdays. His expert picks and predictions for every game hit the site on Thursdays. So if you want to see what score he's predicting for every game, make sure you check that out. And Saturdays on the 33rdteam.com, Ryan drops what he's betting on and looking for in every single game. And he already has a few Island game long previews out too. If you want to read about some of the more exciting games on this slate, we'll, we'll get to a very exciting Sunday night football matchup. Games like that, the 33rdteam.com. They're free to read. Ryan writes up exactly what each team's path to victory is. Key stats to know. 
I read those every week. I'd recommend that you do as well. Let's turn to the Patriots hosting the Bills. Patriots, nine-point underdogs at home. Game total is 42.5. It has dropped to 40. Again, theme of the week. Game totals dropping. I will say one nice thing about the Patriots. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson's my RB15 this week in fantasy. The Bills have allowed the 12th most fantasy points a game to running backs, the third highest yards per carry, the 13th most receptions per game, the sixth most receiving yards per game. Ramondre Stevenson started to distance himself from Ezekiel Elliott a little bit with his workload last week. I hope that continues. Then on the other side, most of the Patriots secondary is injured at this point. I don't see how they contain Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And Diggs is quietly setting up for a career year. He's reached 100 yards in all but one game this year. He's actually averaging 103 yards a game. His previous career high was 96 in 2020 when he led the league in receiving. So he's having a career year at age 30. Very exciting. And then in the run game for the Bills, James Cook and Latavius Murray were in a full committee week six. Murray actually is the one that got all the red zone touches. And then they split carries, receiving work right down the middle. I have James Cook as the RB17 this week in fantasy. He's dropped quite a bit. I have Latavius Murray as the RB33. They have not been this close all season. If a 50-50 split continues, you will see them converge and maybe Murray even pass Cook if he continues to get those red zone touches. Probably a lopsided affair. Do you have anything to add to this game? And do you think Bill Belichick is actually on the hot seat? Because that is the current rumor going around. Yeah, I mean, you know, the truth is if the Patriots fire Bill Belichick after this year, I hope they never win a game ever again. So I think he's earned as much leeway as anyone ever has in the history of the game. To that point, even Josh, if this team had an average coach, like a Todd, Todd Bowles, Robert Salah in charge of this team, I think the Patriots are the worst team in the league, hands down, given their roster. Now, on the Buffalo side of things, I'm higher on Buffalo this year than I was last year, primarily because of Josh Allen's weapons. Josh Allen's a playmaker. He's a play extender. He wants to hit you deep. You can see it, you know, if you watch any Bills game. Kincaid's an asset underneath. I think he's going to be a real problem long term. Hardy and Shakir are two guys that are they can get you eight yards on a bubble screen. That's a that's a small little thing that Buffalo has this year that they really didn't last season. And James Cook isn't a complete player like we talked about on Monday. He can't block. That's not that's why Latavius Murray's cutting into his role more and more each week. But he's fast and he's a problem in space. Buffalo's a more complete offense than they were last year. Let's turn to another bad game. I promise you, folks, there's there's good ones coming up. We'll make this as quick as possible. The Bears will host the Raiders. The Bears are three-point underdogs. Game opened up at 40. The game totals down to 38. Uh, Tyson Badgent will start for the Bears. Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell, I think we both would assume Brian Hoyer will start for the Raiders. Roshan Johnson hasn't practiced yet this week with a concussion. That's actually pretty scary for the rookie. He might miss this game. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, he, he will miss it. Even still, there's a chance, even if he practices tomorrow, unless they do the sneaky like Saturday practice, he wouldn't get his two practices in and then he'd still miss this game. So Deonta Foreman might be spot started again as a low-end fantasy RB2. And then uh, if we look on the other side, I think the Raiders can actually score a little bit on the Bears if Hoyer's under center. I'm not sure if the Bears can score on the Raiders. Raiders defense has been a little better than expected, but I, I don't think we should call absolute doomsday on these Raiders weapons if Hoyer starts given that it's the Bears that's all I have Ryan tell me something interesting about uh maybe the worst game of the season <laughs> <laughs> maybe the worst quarterback matchup ever Mr. Badgent as we're calling him uh watched him last week uh man this is not a guy who should be starting an NFL game that said they'll game plan for him this week play to his strengths a little bit more I'm at least a little curious to see how how Chicago manages that not sure this is the right coaching staff for that job, but you know we'll see what happens on, on Sunday. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle Darnell Wright's questionable. Max Crosby could be a real big problem in this game if Wright misses this contest. That means the Bears will have two below-average offensive tackles, and Crosby's a top-five edge rusher in the league. On the other side of th on the other side of things, Josh. Well, actually, this applies to both teams. Are backup quarterbacks semi-good for premium like wide receiver ones and offenses? Yeah, one thing I've noticed is that when backup quarterbacks are in, the target shares often spike for the number one receiving option. Essentially, backup quarterbacks are slower processors. They don't get to their read progressions quite as quickly. The game plan is more simplified. They just want to get it to their playmaker. So you'll often see that the wide receiver ones get a 30, 35, 40 or higher percent target share when the backups are in. 
And I'm going to workshop this nickname. What if instead of Mr. Badger, we just call him Teabag? That's a little fun. And so we got, we'll we got Teabag we'll and Hoyer. Well, maybe we'll, we'll get cancer on the, canceled on the airwaves <laughs> for that one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I think Moore is in a good position in this game. Um, some quick hitters. Not sure mm -hmm. I'd want to bet on his yards, but his reception's over something I'll look for in this week. And Devontae Adams, he's publicly complaining. If you ever ask me why do you not why you're not crazy about wide receivers, Ryan, it's because seventy five percent of the time when something like this happens, it's a wide receiver talking to the talking to the media about this stuff. That said, Adams is in a you know a bounce back spot, a squeaky wheel spot. Brian Hoyer is a backup quarterback that's probably going to target. Devontae Adams at a big clip and then at safety Eddie Jackson's on the injury report again with a foot injury if he misses this contest that's good for Adams as well yeah speaking of Hoyer and Adams I I took a long shot prop on Jacoby Myers to reach 75 yards at pretty nice odds last week at halftime five catches 61 yards I felt good Brian Hoyer starts in the second half Jacoby Myers does not catch another pass for the rest of the game my bet did not hit is that a bad beat? Is that a bad beat? Are we, we going to say the, the BB? It might be a bad beat. Anyway, next game. This one's more exciting. The Rams are hosting the Steelers. Rams are three-point favorites in this one. Game totals moved up. That's exciting. It was at 42.5. It's now at 43.5. The Pittsburgh Steelers on defense pressure quarterbacks at the ninth highest rate in the league. We might see the average depth of target for Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua dropping down a little bit. The Steelers also allow the second most fantasy points a game to the slot, 30 per game. Some of that's probably, again, because they're, they're pressuring quarterbacks. They want to get it out quickly. Slants to the slot receiver. Hello, Cooper Cup week. I think he's in for just an absolute smash spot, just like last week. And then on the other uh, end of the, the offense, the Steelers allow nearly five yards a carry, fifth highest in the league. We do not know who the Rams running back is. Nobody quite knows who it is. Will it be Zach Evans, Darrell Henderson, Miles Gaskin, or Royce Freeman? Who knows? We will monitor that. You can check out our free Discord. It's linked in all of our articles on the 33rdteam.com. It's linked in Ryan's Twitter, at Ryan Reynolds NFL. It's linked in my Twitter, at Tweets. So look there, join the Discord. You can ask us come Saturday or Sunday. And by then, we should know what the pecking order will be. Any other Rams thoughts when they're on offense? I don't exactly remember if I said this on Monday or Tuesday, but I think the Rams already past centric offense is going to be even more reliant on Matthew Stafford's right arm. You know, I think it's pretty clear they don't have a lot of confidence in Zach Evans. That's why they're, you know, Daryl Henderson's on the team, Miles Gaskin's on the team. So I think they're going to try to throw more. I completely agree with you for with Cup and Puka. Um, one thing that I find interesting is is the Steelers, you know, the little drags and the short, the short area throws where receivers take contact. That's where Puka thrived earlier in the year. So I could see this being a good game for him, and it's definitely a good game for Cooper Cup. Uh, that said, the Steelers do have a pass rush advantage in this contest. If TJ Watt plays, he's on the injury report now, so that's something to monitor if you're betting on this game or playing or have anything going in fantasy with it. Nobody talks about the game of football like Ryan Reynolds. He's watched every snap of every game since 2014. He still lives to tell about it on his podcasts pretty much every day of the week where we're on the airwaves, right? Four days a week at this point, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. All of Ryan's work is free on the 33rdteam.com. If you want his power rankings on Tuesdays, if you want his expert picks and predictions on Thursdays, if you want to see what he's betting on for each game on Saturdays. On the Steelers end, Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth were both full practice participants on Wednesday. They're going to return this week. And uh, I think that means we are allowed to stream Kenny Pickett again in fantasy for how terrifying all these, uh, these bye weeks are some really low scoring projected matchups here. Kenny Pickett, not the worst streaming option. He's probably floating on a lot of waiver wires, anything to add here on the Steelers and what this offense can look like now that they have Pickens, Deontay, Fryermuth, and Jalen Warren. No, <laughs> I'm with you all the way here. It's a big game for the Steelers offense in the sense that coming off a bye, like you said, Johnson and Fryer move the back, like you said. Maybe Jalen Warren plays more than Najee Harris, like you said. They're playing a very mediocre Rams defense. It's time for Kenny Pickett to go out and win a game right now this week. Let's turn to uh, another divisional matchup. We've got the Seahawks hosting the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks opened as eight and a half point favorites. That's dropped to seven and a half points. Still pretty massive favorites. Game total fell theme of the week. 
was at 46 and a half, which is pretty healthy. Dropped to a little bit less healthy, 44 and a half number, though that's still one of the highest on the slate. Great news. Kyler Murray, limited practice participant on Wednesday. I think I'd be surprised if he plays this week. Me too. I don't think that makes sense. I, Ryan's shaking his head in agreement. But I, I think he's going to play in week eight. I think that's what it means. If he's already practicing this week, then that's pretty exciting. When we look at the Seattle defense, they've allowed the most fantasy points a game to the slot this year. Marquise Brown has run nearly 40% of his routes from the slot. I think that increases for this game. He is clearly their best playmaker on offense. They've made a concerted effort to get him the ball. He, he's getting about 10 targets a game. I think he's in for a potentially huge week here. And then on the Arizona backfield front, I have Keontae Ingram and Amari DiMercato as fantasy RB3s. Do not start these guys. Ingram got the most carries. DiMercato got the pass game usage. It's ugly. Damian Williams back from the Chiefs days, we might remember him. He even mixed in for eight carries last week. This is simply a backfield to avoid completely. I, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen here other than it's going to be some kind of committee for an offense that has really, really come back to earth after a couple interesting weeks to begin the year. Anything else here on the Cardinals? And if you don't have anything exciting to say for them this week, which wouldn't surprise me, how will things change once Kyler returns? Probably next week. I, I'm actually a Kyler Murray fan. I'm, I'm Ian, Me and Ian Miller, or I'd say, are Kyler Murray guys. So I, I'd say everything to a degree because he can extend plays. You know, Josh Dobbs, like you said, was very good in the first few games of the year, but the Cardinals are coming back down to earth. One thing in particular is, and we've talked about this virtually every week, Hollywood Brown's getting deep on a target at least once a game where he's got four or five steps on someone and Josh Dobbs throws it into the sideline. So that's something that Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray can probably better help him out with. The other thing I'll, I'll mention for fantasy players is Trey McBride is slowly cutting in his Eckert's playing time a little bit more, cutting in his opportunity a little bit more. It would make sense if Arizona sees what they have in their second year tight end. Yeah, it's a good point. My rest of season fantasy rankings and trade value chart, you'll see Zach Ertz is falling. Trey McBride is rising. I believe McBride actually out-snapped him for the first time this season in week six. Looking at the Seahawks, post-bye week, sometimes rookies take a step forward in usage. Zach Charbonnet did not. Kenneth Walker, 19 carries last week. Zach Charbonnet, two. Charbonnet still just a pure handcuff. The good news, though, is that Jackson Smith and Jigba ran as many routes as Metcalf and Lockett last week. His average depth of target was about two and a half X what it was before the buy. I really, I don't think I'd start him this week. I, I don't think it's the worst matchup. I think I'd wait one more week, but I think we could be a week away from Smith and Jigba being fantasy relevant on a week to week basis, which is pretty exciting. And again, a great bench dash simply because anything happens to Metcalf or Lockett, you're immediately firing up JSN with confidence. Anything to add here in what should be a ceiling game for Geno Smith against the Cardinals? Yeah, I hope so, because the Seahawks' success really relies on him. Last week in, in Cincinnati, they lost 17-13. I'd put that loss on him primarily. You give up 17 points on the road to Joe Burrow's offense, you should win games like that if you're Seattle. So he's in a bounce-back spot. The whole team is really in a bounce-back spot. Big ceiling here against Arizona, potentially. They're going to be popular in survivor picks, which we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that later in the week. And to the JSN point, I just want to say this. We talk about our about waiver wire options on Tuesday all the time, but make sure you check who's available after waivers for process because I know I've picked up JSN in two of my leagues. One of them is a $500 home league that's pretty competitive. I was kind of stunned to see him there and also thrilled to see him there. So definitely, if you can fit a guy like him on your bench and see what happens over the next three, four weeks, that's in your best interest. Ryan, we have the co-game of the week. The Chiefs host the Chargers. Chiefs, yeah. five and a half point favorites. Game total opened at 51. It dropped to 48. I, I think that's just potentially a, I think it's an overreaction to last week. If I, if I remember correctly, I think 13 of the 15 games last week were 40 points or under. I think that's all that is. Do you have a, a read on this before we discuss a few players as to why a game like this would drop since they've generally been pretty high scoring affairs in the past? Yeah, generally speaking, you know, when, whenever these two guys play each other, it's either an over or a pass. I was surprised to see it dip down three points, especially. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I get that the Chiefs offense hasn't shown a lot of ceiling yet. And I get that the Chargers offense looks a little different without Mike Williams. But again, this is an over or pass for me, for sure. I have Rasheed Rice as a fantasy wide receiver three this week. He's still running only about half the team's routes, but he's been so efficient. Highest yards per route run on the Chiefs. 
I, I would say start him against a Chargers team that's given up 46 fantasy points per game to receivers per 46 points per game to receivers this year. Second most in the NFL chargers. Uh, it's actually uh it's really bad on defense. They also give up the seventh most fantasy points a game to running backs and they give up the most fantasy points a game 22 to quarterbacks. This could be the massive Patrick Mahomes week that we've been waiting for. And one more note here. There is a, a bet out there that I really like in the chargers chiefs game. It is Isaiah Pacheco. Go to mybookie.com, use promo code 33rd team, and then you can take Isaiah Pacheco over 14 and a half carries at minus 113 juice on my bookie. Over 14 and a half carries. It's already moved to 15 and a half on most other sports books. This is a great line. Pacheco has at least 15 carries each of the past four weeks. He's actually averaging 17 carries a game the past four weeks. The Chiefs are five and a half point favorites. Game script is probably in their favor. Ryan, talk to me about why this is a pretty, pretty good line. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just talked about the the Chiefs offense not showing a lot of ceiling this year, but so far Isaiah Pacheco has been one of the bright spots. And uh, from a matchup perspective, since Brandon Staley took over the Chargers in 2021, running backs have had field days against his run defense. So this is definitely, again, just like last week with Cooper Cup, this is an over or pass for me, Josh. Let's talk about the Chargers. Quentin Johnston ran half the routes in week six. He was targeted twice. He didn't catch anything. Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, Donald Parham, and Austin Eckler all have one thing in common. They had more targets than Quentin Johnston. He tied on the, the team for sixth with Josh Kelly with two targets. I, I think at this point, he looks like a really, 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 really long-term play when you have a deep bench. Well, he might just bust this year. I think if you're in a shallower league at this point, I think it's okay to drop him as crazy as that sounds around one receiver playing with Justin Herbert just hasn't been on the same page. And uh, as a chargers fan, I have certainly been disappointed that they, they did not select Zay flowers. Who was taken one pick later in the draft or, or was it Asin? Both of them. I think it was actually, what was it? Was it? I think Johnson was the second receiver. I think it was JSN Johnston yeah. and then flowers and Addison. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Real, real shame looking like that so far. Anything to add here on the Chargers? We, we've talked before about how mm -hmm. Herbert is one of the few quarterbacks that always plays Patrick Mahomes well. It's pretty much Burrow and Herbert always give him a game. Do you have any other thoughts here? And would you take Chargers plus five and a half given the history? Well, let me start with this. In power rankings, people get one of the teams that people always give me flack about is the Chargers, where it's like, listen, the Chargers are a very good two and three. They lost by two to Miami, three to Dallas, and to the Titans in Tennessee in overtime. There's nothing wrong with that. They lost three games by a total margin of eight points. They're very close to being four and one or five and oh. Wouldn't panic on them at all. Yes, whenever I get more than three points with Justin Herbert against the Chiefs, I'll take my chances with the Chargers. You know, if they lose by four, which is a very which is a key number, they lose by three, you win that pretty comfortably. Definitely gonna take them in at least one of my ATS pool, pools. And to talk about Quentin Johnson real quick, right now he looks like just a guy. It's not just that he's not being productive, it's not just that his his usage isn't very encouraging. It's that when you actually see him get targeted and you actually watch all of his routes, you're not seeing anything that's like, oh man, they need to get him the ball more. Let's turn to the Broncos hosting the Packers. Broncos opened as two-point underdogs. That's moved to Broncos one-point underdogs. That's surprising to me. Game total has remained at 45. Jordan Love, quarterback streamer of the week. Jordan, Jordan Love, here. Come on down, buddy. You're the quarterback eight this week in my fantasy rankings because everyone's on bye and you get the Broncos. The Broncos have allowed the second most fantasy points game to quarterbacks. As we've talked about on pretty much every show this year, the Broncos just don't want to cover people on defense. They don't want to stop the run game. It's one of the lowest effort teams that I can remember. And one other thing I'm looking for with the Packers is will rookie second rounder Jaden Reed eat a little bit more into Romeo Dobbs snaps post bye week. When Christian Watson returned in weeks four and five, Jaden Reed became the odd man out. Rookies often increase usage after the bye. We're going to monitor that situation closely. Anything to add here on the, the Packers? And do you also think Jordan Love, streamer of the week? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it in our league with with our waiver guru, Nick Botterford. You know, we, we, we consistently upped the ante on our bid, and we still didn't get him. So 
We like Jordan Love this week. Uh, at full strength, the, the Packers have a number of advantages against Denver. This matchup, unfortunately, even coming after their bye, they still have injuries everywhere, especially on defense. Five starters are questionable with Eric Stokes out, which would actually probably help Jordan Love's ceiling case in this matchup if Green Bay's talented defense underwhelms a little bit. But, yeah, if, if you can get Love as, as a streamer still, I would do it. On the Broncos side, I'm not really starting any Denver running backs, but if I had to, I'd start Julio McLaughlin. Led the team in snaps last week against the Chiefs. Javante Williams outcarried him slightly, but Jaleel McLaughlin ran the most routes on the team. Before that, the other five games, Samaje Ryan had always been the pass-catching, route-running back. McLaughlin clearly earning more work. Uh, I think we both agree he's just looked like the best pure runner on this team as well. And then uh, in just another move of absolute incompetence for this franchise, Greg Dulcich barely played in week six. He returned from IR with a hamstring injury and he hasn't practiced this week. He's officially doubtful because he re-injured the hamstring. He came back too soon. I don't know what Sean Payton and company is doing, but it is certainly looking like Drew Brees was doing some of the carrying for some of those Saints teams. I assume you don't have much positive stuff to say about the, the Broncos and Russell Wilson, this is a tough matchup with the Packers defense. Is there any hope out there for the riding Broncos country? No, I don't think so. I mean, here's what I'm going to say. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about the, about the Broncos. I understand why Carolina hasn't won a game yet. I think that's going to change after their bye week. I understand why the Giants have struggled. I understand why the Patriots have struggled. I understand why the Bears have struggled. I do not understand why the Broncos are in the same conversation as all of those teams. It's almost mind-blowing a little bit. So mm -hmm. to that to that end, Josh, I think they should just have a fire sale right now. Let's not pretend that this season's still live for them. Fire sale after this week. Love to hear it. Let's talk about the other co-game of the week. Sunday Night Football. Folks, we have a great one. Oh, the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles are hosting the Miami Dolphins. Eagles, two and a half point favorites. It's projected to be a very close game. Game total was at 53. It dropped to 52. Theme of the week. Eagles defense should get uh, tackle Jalen Carter back. They should get cornerback Darius Slay back as well for week seven. They're practicing again and right tackle Lane Johnson practiced today. So despite the ankle injury scare last week, it looks like he's going to be suiting up again. This is all great news for the Eagles. But when we look at the Dolphins, no team has stopped the Dolphins. They're scoring 37 points a game. The Patriots and Giants have scored less than one third of that many points per game this year. The Dolphins should get Jeff Wilson back. Right now, Raheem Mostert's my running back 10 on the week. Jeff Wilson's my running back 25. Philly should have a trench advantage on defense, but we really just haven't seen teams fully containing this Dolphins offense. Even in their big loss to the Bills, they still put up 20 points in that game. How do you see the, the game plan playing out where this might end up being their, their biggest test of the year so far? So here's the thing with Miami's offense. It's definitely for real, but keep in mind they've smashed the Chargers, the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers. They struggled against the healthy Patriots defense, and they struggled against Buffalo. Granted, New England's faced the Tyreek Hill Dolphins three times now, and the Bills have faced them four times. So one of the things with elite speed or dynamic players like that, the first time you see them is the hardest because you're not used to them. So they are more used to Miami than other teams are. Still, like you said, Philly has a trench advantage in this contest, particularly in the interior if Connor Williams misses this game for Miami. One of the most interesting aspects of this game for me is how does Mike McDaniel mitigate that advantage? One of the things that's that's excellent if you're if you're a Dolphins better is you can count on him to have some some ideas on that front. On the other end, the Miami defense just hasn't been very good this year. It hasn't been bad, hasn't been good, it's kind of been average. And that has resulted in an above-average amount of yards, fantasy points, etc. for all offensive players that face the Dolphins simply because teams are often trying to keep pace with their high-volume attack. So for everyone out there, just start everyone on the Eagles. Even Dallas Goddard, who I've been hard on this year, Dolphins really have uh, struggled to contain tight ends for most of this year. And again, it's a 52-point game total, highest on the slate for a reason. Any other Eagles notes to add here? I have Jalen Hurts, quarterback one in fantasy this week. I, I am certainly very optimistic about the, the points that can be scored in this one. Yeah, I actually think Philly's going to win this game. All offensive line can mitigate Miami's push. Philly's skill group's going to be a lot to handle for Miami's struggling defense. And I'm, I love that you have Hurts on top this week at quarterback because this is a game where he has to kind of go out and win, and I think he's going to. 
yeah, I think they bounce back after the, the very, very disappointing loss to the Jets last yeah. week. Before we get to Monday Night Football, the final game of the week, reminder that all the work that Ryan and I are doing, you can find it on the33rdteam.com. It's free to read. Hop into our free Discord. It's linked in all of our articles. Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter to follow Ryan. You should check out his cool new profile picture. It might be the coolest profile picture in the industry at this point. And if you think I'm exaggerating, well, then you should follow him and check it out for yourself. Fantasy rankings, rest of season fantasy rankings, trade value chart. If any of these buzzwords are hitting, check out my work. Power rankings, expert picks and predictions, what Ryan's betting on for each game. Check all of that out. Tomorrow we'll be back on the airwaves with Ben Wolby for the player prop happy hour around 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Make sure that you're tuning into that where we give out nine prop bets in 15 minutes. It's Monday Night Football time. The Vikings are hosting the Niners. The Vikings are seven-point underdogs at home. Game total was at 45. It dropped to 44. Theme of the week again. Now, you you might have heard that the Vikings are seven-point favorites. I think we both agree that the Niners are a much better team top to bottom. And you might be out there thinking, I kind of want to bet on the 49ers. Where should I bet on that? If you want to bet on the 49ers, I would do that on mybookie.com. When you sign up, promo code 33rd-team, help us stay employed. Get a little bit of a deposit match when you do. Minus six and a half for the Niners. That half point is a very, very key number. That's the best odds where we bet on the Niners in a correction spot. They just lost to the Browns last week. When we look at the Vikings, they're down Justin Jefferson. They're rumored to be shopping star edge Daniil Hunter. The 49ers are outscoring opponents by 16 points a game on average this year. That's a plus 97 point differential. Vikings have a negative point differential. They have a two and four record. Really, the only reason they beat the Bears last week was a scoop and score on defense. That 19-13 matchup was really uh, 12 offensive points scored on offense. It was mostly the defense. I do not believe the Niners are giving them cheap points there. MyBookie.com, promo code 33rd team, 49ers minus six and a half. Ryan, we've got some injuries on the Niners side. I don't think either of these are going to affect the actual game too much. The Niners are so good, but we'll be looking at the Christian McCaffrey and the Debo Samuel injuries. For now, I think we should all assume they will both miss week seven. When we look at the running back room, Jordan Mason, I think probably leads the committee with Elijah Mitchell in tow. I'd give the confidence there 65%. We both prefer Elijah Mitchell, but what we saw last week was that the Niners preferred Jordan Mason, he had twice as many touches. I don't have too much else to say there about that running back situation. I think you could flex either of them if you want quote-unquote upside simply because it's the Niners, simply because neither of us has a great read. But I think the lead back in this one could get you 15 fantasy points. Anything to add here about the the running back usage from the Niners? Yeah, first, Trent Williams is left tackle. Trent Williams is also in the injury report. If he misses, that's a downgrade for both these guys. I think it's more of a hot hand approach. You know, I think Shanahan's going to return to his pre-CMC running back deployments where Jordan Mason probably does get first crack to, to make a mm-hmm. difference. But, you know, both guys are going to work in. Whoever has the hot hand is going to get the bigger usage. I think Brandon Ayuk can feast against the Vikings secondary. No Debo Samuel. Vikings allowing the six most receiving yards a game to receivers. We talked about this a lot all offseason. I planted my flag, and I said, guys, flag planted. I think Brandon Ayuk is the wide receiver one in San Francisco this year, not Debo Samuel. That's looking pretty good right now, and I have to say I did not think he'd be even this good. He had a big drop last week, but other than that, he's been borderline flawless, getting open at will, and the fantasy points and the yards have been there as well. And we might also see a usage spike from George Kittle. His big receiving game where he had seven catches for 90 yards in week three, that's when Brandon Ayuk was out. Now Debo Samuel's out, especially if Christian McCaffrey's also out. Then it suddenly becomes a lot of just general offensive game plan funneled towards Ayuk and George Kittle. What else are you looking for here from the Niners where it could be Brock Purdy and company with only two of their four top playmakers? Yeah, I think this is more about the 49ers defense this game really where, you know, Kirk Cousins' offense just doesn't look the same without Justin Jefferson. This is a mediocre group now. This is a team with no real strength. So the offense, I think, could maybe sputter a little bit. Like you said, I think Brandon Ayuk's in an absolute smash spot. If I'm playing showdown, he's my captain initially. So on the same page there. But ultimately, I, I think this game mostly boils down to what does Minnesota do? 
Speaking of Minnesota, Alexander Madison uh, refuses to go away. He's a volume bet this week in a tough matchup. 18 of the 19 running back carries last week, 7 of the 8 running back targets. He's my running back 18 in fantasy against the Niners simply because of volume. And then without Justin Jefferson, we both expected it. Our head of DFS, Jordan Vanek, expected it. TJ Hawkinson, 27% target share. His eight targets led the team. Caught six for 50 yards. I think he's a good trade target just because that wasn't actually that big of a fantasy day. And I think a lot of people won't realize that at this point, it's just him and Kelsey as the, the clear number one pass game options in high pass volume offenses at the tight end position. KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison both had five targets. That wasn't very exciting. Osborne actually had more yards, more catches. I think Jordan Addison... I th- we, we actually talked about this a little bit. I think him getting more defensive attention with Jefferson out might hurt his fantasy points. There's the potential for that. Yeah. Last week was a disappointment. It wouldn't surprise me if this week's a little bit of a disappointment too. Talk to me about how he's not really the prototypical wide receiver one that you want for your offense right now. Yeah, I... I've never been real crazy about Jordan Addison. In fact, you know, one of my notes here is I think Jordan Addison's very lucky that he gets to play across from Justin Jefferson for the majority of his career. I, you know, TJ Hawkinson's a clear top option in this offense. He's a tight end, you know, so I think that's all that really needs to be said to that point. But seeing Osborne and Addison get similar usage, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I, I, I expect that to continue too in the short term. I think it might as well. Any other final notes here before we close out the show on, the Vikings, do you think uh, Niners win this one pretty handily like I do? Yeah, I don't see how the Vikings are going to have a ton of success on offense. No one can really run on San Francisco, and the Vikings have a, you know, as, as you know, Josh, you hate Alexander Madison. You've been very, you've looked like a prophet on that one. They have a very ineffective run game. KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison doesn't really scare me. That You can get the 49ers on the perimeter a little bit, but those guys aren't really going to be making any margin there. And, you know, the 49ers are excellent against tight ends too, so – Basically, Kirk Cousins needs to carry this team, tight window throws, keep them alive, and you're asking a lot out of Cousins in this in this spot. Folks, from myself, Josh Larkey, from my co-host, Ryan Reynolds, from mybookie.com, from the 33rd team, we'll be back tomorrow with the Player Prop Happy Hour with Ben Wolby. Nine props in 15 minutes. Thank you, everyone.